Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, to ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features Atlanta-based multi-passionate artist, Elise Garcia. Elise has a positively infectious energy about her that I know will spill onto you and brighten your day. (laughs) Her outlook on living a fearless life is commendable as she has some hilariously terrible travel incidents to share with us today. (laughs) This episode is both entertaining and insightful. But on the art side of things, Elise is still very much in the building phase of her business and trying anything and everything she feels called to do, anything that feels good. And one big tip I picked up from this interview is something I will 100% be implementing this year, collaborations. Because the best way to attract your ideal customer is to go somewhere they're already hanging out, like on another person's Instagram page. (laughs) And since everyone is on the social media hamster wheel of creating reels nowadays, my plan is to take some of that work off of their to-do lists, because I like creating video, in trade for being seen by their audience in order for me to make sales. So how can you be of value to someone who has what you want? something to think about today. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Elise Garcia. Hi, Elise. Hello. Tell us a bit about yourself, your art, and how you got to where you are, and then we'll get into all the businessy questions. Oh, yes. So I actually have a tattoo of the word art on my arm, but it's fine. So I feel like I've always been an artist. I never knew that I would end up making money from it one day, but I feel like I was always drawn to painting. And so it had been, so I'm going to go into all of this with my businesses. But so I started a business. It had been my dream. It's a half bakery, half longboarding shop um, called Bacon Skate. And so that has been my dream since I was like 16. You've had a dream for a longboard and bakery for such a unique combination. It was crazy. Yes. So it all started with my cousin. She's my role model. She's like a couple years older than me. I told her I was going to talk about her and she got really red. And I was like, "Hmm, you're my favorite. So I'm going to tell you anyway. And so she's a couple years older than me. She was working in a bakery. And I remember when I was like 14, I would always see what she was doing. And I was like, Ashley, looks like she's having so much fun. Look at her. I want to open a bakery one day. And I was like, I'm going to make it a healthy bakery. And so it had been my dream for years. And I was like, cool, I'm going to open a bakery. And then when I was like 16 or 17, I watched a documentary about longboarding. And I was like, oh man, I want to open a longboarding shop. I could just have a little Costa Rica surf shop. And so then I was in high school my friends and I were joking and I was like, but I already said I was going to make a bakery. I can't go back on my word in high school. And my friends were like, I mean, it rhymes. You could just open one and call it Bacon Skate. And I was like, yeah. And now I am 29 and I run a company called Bacon Skate. And so I was like, man, I could just, if I'm serious about this, I should study business at school. So I went to university and I studied entrepreneurship and business management And I learned most from entrepreneurship classes, the rest of the econ classes. I don't know if I've ever used that stuff, but it feels so sweet to know. And I had a lot of obstacles along the way of like older people being like, I don't understand the concept. And I was like, there is no concept. I love it. I want to do it. I want to open a half bakery, half longboarding shop. And here I am. And so it's been so fun. I didn't realize I would be like hand painting all the boards one day and... 
So anyway, there's like a part of it that got into that backstory. And then I build and design tiny houses. So I love the interior design side of it, which is really cool. And then I got married a couple years ago to a photographer and now we both do photography together. And so I feel like it's a bunch of different art forms all being expressed very differently. And then it wasn't until like last year that I was like, I woke up one day, I said, babe, I think I want to be a muralist. And he was like, okay, do it. And I was like, okay. Because my longboards, I have them all over here. They're so fun to paint, but they're like, I can paint maybe this size on a longboard. And I was like, there's only so much I can do with the level of detail on these little boards. So I want to paint them on big walls. So then it turned into me turning some of my designs into big walls behind me. And so... That's a little bit of how all the art kind of gotten thrown together over the years and realizing still like what I love to do, what drains me, like editing that drains me. So my husband does that. And so it's been a fun journey to still be so new in this and to understand what I love and what I don't love and how to delegate that to somebody who does love doing that. For sure. (laughs) Speaking of journey, you said that you had been on a journey around the world or you did some traveling tell me about that I'm very interested in that yes so it occurred to me when I was listening to one of your girls she was the episode in Cambodia and I was like wait a second I used to live in Cambodia and then I was listening to her story and I was like man I feel like a lot of artists are very like when you connect with another artist of wait I did that you did that and then I listened to the way that you talked to her and I was like Andrea did it too this is so fun and so Long story short, I'm 29 now. When I was in high school, I'll try not to cry, but I cry a lot. And so I lost my mom when I was in high school. And it really spurred on this feeling in me of, okay, I need to be out and I need to be volunteering and I need to be giving part of my heart away in the way that I was shown love when everything happened to me. And so when I lost my mom, I went to my first year at college and then I had this like really strong feeling that I was like, I think I need to go live in Ghana for a year. So I told my dad and he was like, okay, yes, you need to live where for by yourself for a year. And so I was like, I feel so led to be helping. And I was actually doing art over there. I was teaching art and English in some schools and some orphanages in Ghana for about a year. How did you like that? Because I went by myself to Ghana too, and it was overwhelming. And I'm sure if I would have stayed longer, it would have gotten easier, I imagine. But tell me more about that. Let's stop right there. Oh, yes. So it was a little bit strange. It was cool. I was so young. I was 19. And I was like by myself in the middle. I got on a one way. And there was a volunteer organization. I believe I think this one might have been through WorkAway. Most of my volunteer opportunities have all been through WorkAway because that's been like one of the coolest platforms. I think the thing that always bothered me is growing up in, and still being in a church home in a facility, everything is very like mission trip oriented, but it's like a week long and I never really felt like I made an impact. And so then it was always like very expensive to go on these like week long trips. And I was like, where's this money going to? So I started looking into opportunities where it was very, I think you had mentioned work away too, of where it's very like personal one-on-one connections. Like, Hey, we're a family in this country and we need your help. And I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. So this one, I found a pretty small organization. So it was cool. I again was very young. So I feel like things didn't really grasp as much as I could. I was very like 
oh my gosh, this is my first time overseas. I got to FaceTime my dad all the time to let him know where I am and I'm okay. I ended up, oh my gosh, I got malaria. I got typhoid. I got, I know all these vaccines that I got. And, and I was like, why am I still getting sick over here? So my time was really fun. It was great. I met like the most beautiful people. Just, I don't know if you understand with people in Ghana, their hearts are so beautiful and it's like, they're so giving and so welcoming. And so when I was over there, it was really hard to be kind of alone. I was with a few other volunteers, but they would come in for maybe like a couple weeks at a time. And then I would be there for a year and I would see people come and go through the volunteer house and I'd be like, Oh, so nice to meet you. Bye. Have fun. And I would be there for another year. And so I made really sweet connections, especially with the kids there. And I want to go back and I want to see like how different everything is. And I know that all the kids will have been grown up by now, but it was difficult. But I feel like I was very thankful that there was like a few other volunteers there that made it feel like, oh my gosh, you're from where? You're from Germany? You're from Florida of all places? And so being able to connect at least for a little bit with people who understood what a volunteer life was like. And then they'd go on their way and I would be there. But then on my way home, I stopped and I was like, man, before I go back home, I could just swing by in the Amazon. And so it was in the Amazon rainforest for a couple months doing wild animal rescue. And that was really cool. Got parasites, ended up in the hospital. <laughs> Girl, you telling me. It was fun. It was really cool. I'm a big animal person. So wait, it was... Wait, your forehead there? Wait, wait or, or was that just an expression? Oh, no. I was just... Oh, like, I was like, are they um, on your forehead was, still? <laughs> no, they were in my leg. They were in your and leg. I, oh wait, could you see them yes. from the outside? Yes. <laughs> yes. It all started... I was feeding some monkeys one day and I felt like a bite on my leg. And I was like, that's strange. Felt like an ant bite. And then living in a treehouse hut, not the best environment, in the middle of the Amazon... Like it wasn't the cleanest environment, but it was fun. And so I remember just that one bug bite getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And I was like, mm, this is not going away. I said, what is this? And so I lived with, there was this like sweet little medicine healer lady. And she was like, let me put this starchy potato mixture on your leg. And it got a little bit better because it like drew out all the infection. Sorry if anybody's, but it got a little bit better. And then... I like woke up one day and I couldn't walk on that leg. And I said, this is not fun. And so one of the other volunteers was like, I don't care what you say. We're going to go to a doctor today. And the thing that I was so stubborn about, you had to walk like an hour and a half to the top of this hill to get a bus like two hours into the closest city to get to a doctor. And I was like, I'm fine. I don't need to go to a doctor. This will heal. So then I end up going to a doctor and it ends up being like a group of oil company workers like found me on the walk up and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I think I need a doctor. And they were like, strange. He's a doctor. And this guy comes out of nowhere and he's like, yeah, I'm the doctor for the oil company. Let me check out your leg. And he looks at my leg. He's like, yeah, I'm going to call an ambulance. And I was like, that sounds expensive. And he was like, don't worry about it. So this oil company takes me and long story short, anesthesia did not work. Gets the parasites out, but it is the most painful thing ever. How did they get it out? I remember not looking because it was bloody and they were like tweezers. And I was like, nope, I don't want to look at this. This is not fun. But I remember tweezers and he was like, look. And I said, no, please, I don't want to look at this. Did you see them? I imagine they look maggots. Is that close or? Yeah, they were like, Man, it was crazy. I don't know how to describe why I thought I saw a beak, like a tiny, like pointy thing. And I was like, I'm going to pretend 
like I didn't see that so that I don't know what it was, but it was tiny. But then he was like, look, there's three of them. And I was like, please, no, don't show me. Oh my gosh, that's insane. That reminds me when long story short, I went to Thailand and I had, or I met a friend over there and he came back and he was back in the States for a long time. And he walked barefoot in Thailand, like the whole month we were there all the time. Oh, yeah. like, I don't need shoes. I'm a nature boy. <laughs> and then after he got back, he was like, it's all this, it's like a worm in his leg. And it just kept growing and kept growing. He said, I named oh, it Jerry. No. We're, we were buds. <laughs> and then it grew and went around his toe and came back and he could see it. And he's like, all right, I guess I should go to the doctor. They basically, basically gave him this like chemo treatment to kill everything. And he like lost a little bit of hair too. Too. He's like, yeah, but Jerry's dead, man. <laughs> Gosh, like, travelers are just fun. Yeah. Like, it's, but I've done a lot of things that I've never had any of those stories, thankfully, but I love hearing about them because it, it is the truth of something that could have you've had malaria, you've had typhoid. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't tell my dad this stuff until I told him the first when I was in Ghana. And then I realized I was like, dad, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I have typhoid, but I'm fine. And he goes, and so I remember I wasn't going to, oh my gosh, I have never felt, this sounds so morbid. I have never felt closer to death in my life than I have with typhoid. Malaria, fine. Malaria, I was like nauseous for a day. Maybe I caught it early. But uh, typhoid, I was out for a week and a half, just like the worst fever, the worst chills. And I I was living in a a beautiful, it was a beautiful little hut, but it was a hut. And so I had just like cold bucket showers. And I was like, all I want is a nice hot shower right now, but I'm in the middle of nowhere and I can't. And so the chilling process took a little bit. Now I'm a very like At that point, I was natural, but now I'm very like, oh no, just give me all these natural herbs and remedies. I can't imagine what was in that malaria pill that I took. It was not natural, but there were some things. That one, yeah, that typhoid was not fun. I now learned to wash all my fruit. Even at home, my husband will get strawberries. And I was like, hey, no, strawberries are the dirtiest and not. We got to wash that. I can't get typhoid again. Oh, that's how you got it? Unwashed fruit? I think so. I think... From what is like most common with getting typhoid over there is like dirty water, or not dirty water, but using maybe unclean water to wash fruit and vegetables and food and stuff. And to me, I was like putting all the pieces together. This was so long ago. This was like 10 years ago that I was over there. But from what I remember them saying, they were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's because of unclean food that you washed. And I was like, nice. nice. That was me. Chill. Sorry. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we'll do that again. You know, and all the, I love these stories because even though it's not art business related, I think your mindset that you have right now carries over into your art business. That's what I'm getting from this. And because building your own business and entrepreneurship is such a ride and things happen. And I have a couple friends I can think of and are just scared to death of getting anything over there. And I totally get it. I don't want it either. But it goes with the starting a business and like things are going to happen. And you're just talking about it. Yeah, just got to roll like, with it. Death. And, but now, how funny is that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, now it's fun. And yeah, even just starting my business where I was like, oh, the registration, the website building, I don't want to do any of this. And now it's actual. And I just update it very often. But you get back on it later and be like, yeah, that was fun. But then the moment when you're like struggling with so many finances, you're like, no, that was not fun figuring out where rent was coming. (laughs) But I'm an artist. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you have a bunch of different revenue streams. So is it because you're multi-passionate? What's the inspiration behind? Yeah. So 
It could be that. It's also, so we run Airbnbs and I realize like right now, December and January, so slow for some people like in wintry cabin wonderlands. Winters are probably amazing. We, ours are in Greenville, South Carolina and they're a tiny house and there's an Airstream. And so um, I think it's just like slower in December and January because people are like, no, I don't really want to stay in an Airstream in December. And I'm like, it's, it's heated, I promise. But so we learned throughout the years of just, and even me with longboards, there are certain seasons like after the holidays, sales are really slow. And there are some seasons that are really great and some seasons that are really slow. And we've learned to be able to not have all of our eggs in one basket so that when one season is slow, we have the ability to be like, okay, cool. This is our season that we get a lot of wedding inquiries and all the wedding deposits. When some seasons are slow, it's able to be like, okay, at least we know we have this coming in. And then later on when the wedding season deposit is slow, maybe that's more of like a longboard sale, that kind of stuff. So it tends to balance each other out, but it was all a trial and error of, oh yes, where are finances coming from? We need something to supplement. And then figuring out like, oh, okay, cool. This is supplementing, but A, I really like doing this. So I think I'm going to do more murals. And so it's just been a, it's been a trial and error of why, but I also tend to just get more excited knowing that there are different types of projects coming up. If I were to be doing the same thing all the time, I think I tend to get pretty bored. My husband could be in front of a computer editing all day long and he's fine without leaving the house. I can't do that. I am like, nope, I have to leave the house at least once a day to go do something, to be in like a change of pace, a change of scenery, because then I'm more excited about doing things when I come back like making mock-ups for clients. And I'm like, I'm sitting at my desk all morning. I can't do this. That's another reason why. Yeah. So we were talking before about how I like to ask every guest about what is your secret sauce, your magic potion, a thing that we can teach the listeners that they can come away with, that they can maybe take into their own art business or get inspired by to try or something. What do you think is the way that's helped you make money as an artist? I am still learning about social media in terms of murals. I just started. I figured with social media, I have to niche down for certain pages, but then it's hard because my longboard, the way that I, so I do a bunch of hand-painted longboards. The way that page was has been able to grow a lot is by me connecting and doing a lot of collaborations with people. Okay, great. Yeah, because that page is like at 25 Okay. It is a good one. It's fun to watch it grow. And I have to compare, I have to stop myself from comparing all these other businesses. I'm like, they're growing so fast. Why can't people buy mine? And then I'm like, it's fine. Like it's people might be paying a lot of money on ads to grow that number. And I'll never know that. And I'm just over here being like, why can't I grow like that? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it'll grow. It's fine. But from what I have found with getting the word out about my longboard shop, I think my market is very Gen Z, which is great. I love that. They're very fun, very Taylor Swift lovers. And so learning how to collaborate with people in my ideal audience. Like I have some girlies who, I don't want to call them influencers. They're amazing people. They do tend to have a big platform, like millions on Instagram, which are fun to be friends with them. But that helps in a way of growing that friendship with them as a person. Of like, hey, how are you doing? How's your life? Tell me about what's this new boy today? And all these things like little text conversations then turns into them being like, hey, I want to do a giveaway with you. I want to do a collab with you. And I'm like, I love that. And so it starts all with friendship. I can smell somebody from a mile away when they just want something. And then I'm like, you don't even care about me. So I always start with like, 
having connections with people who I think are in my ideal audience and being able to just be friends with them first. And then after a while, they get to see, oh, wait, our audience is very similar. Your art is really cool. My art is really cool. And we should do something together. 150,000 followers. It's an easy way to do collab posts with people to get your name out there. And then they end up turning into customers for longboards. How do you do that exactly? Like, how does that work? So literally on Instagram, doing it is like adding them as like an invite to collab. And so those, oh, that's amazing. I have one coming up tonight, actually, my cutest little girl ever. So we're doing like a giveaway together. She's got like an apparel line and I have a longboard with it. And because we worked, oh, another thing is we worked together on a design so that I wanted it to be like, okay, her name is Meredith. And I was like, Meredith, I want us to design a longboard together. So I wanted her to be like feeling like she had such a weight of in this process of, wait, these are the colors I chose. This is the design I chose. This is like the quote I wanted. And now like I get to put it on a longboard, even though I'm painting it and I'm like putting it all together. It feels really nice working with people when they're like, wait, I helped make this board. It feels like they have more of a connection to not just like a random longboard that I have. So that way they're more excited about sharing it because they're like, guys, look at the new longboard that I helped make with Baconscape. And I was like, guys. And so when they feel ownership on something, they feel it's easier for somebody else to promote it and post it. And not just like I'm doing a giveaway with a random company. Look at this board I made with my friend Elise. And so um, doing collabs is great. And then the physical numbers of it is wonderful because it literally shows up on your page and their page. And you don't have to like, my name shows up on a page that has 200,000 followers. And I'm like, sweet, I don't have to do anything, but have a fun connection with this. And, you know, with giveaways, there is a monetary, like, I don't want to say loss to it. Cause by me painting a longboard, my longboards are like $300. And so when I give away a longboard, I'm eating the cost of, yeah, I might ship out and paint a longboard that's worth $300 for me, but look what I got in exchange for that. I got a fun connection. I got new audience. I got more eyes to see my work. And yeah, I'll eat the cost of a longboard. It's mostly just my time. Materials are not cheap, but it's really just like my time. And I'm like, this is fun. I love it. And so giveaways are really cool. The only con to giveaways is that sometimes a lot of people like unfollow after the giveaway. And then I'm like, oh, you just wanted me for my board. And so, but, so that's sometimes the only con with it. But the collab post and like working with people in a really just a collaboration kind of way is such a fun, like, I feel like my sauce is being like, okay, I'm working with this person and we're making something together because I want you to have weight in it and I have weight in it. And then we're both excited about sharing it. Yeah. So I feel like that's how my longboards have grown the most. I'm still, I literally a week ago made my mural Instagram page. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just posting all my artwork because I'm like, ah, yeah, niche down. If somebody finds me one day and they're like, let me see your artwork. It's do I send them my longboard page or do I send them my page just for like all my art and all my murals? So I was like, man, I better start now. I have two followers. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm over here brainstorming, like how can I use this collaboration thing to grow my Instagram or how can somebody else use it? I guess it would be to first find your unique customer, right? Because that's what you're doing. Yeah. People who are similar interests. So it wouldn't really make sense for me to collaborate with 
I don't know, some, I'm trying to think of what a good collaboration would be for. Oh, for you. I know your collaboration for sure is a painting, like a supply company for you to do like a specific brush that you love, maybe a smaller ish company. The trick is to not have for bigger companies, having them under like a hundred K, but you're good on your followers. You'll be fine. I feel like you could reach out to anybody and they'd be like, yep, yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. You're so right. That's such a, oh, yeah. it's so funny how somebody else can see your business a little bit better because we're so on the inside. I'm so on the inside of my business. That's so funny. You mentioned a mural products company because one of my, like my best friend just started a mural mm-hmm. products company and we do this back and forth. I'm like, how would you describe the artist Academy? She's like, how would you post this on blah, blah. And we're like, I'm like, Oh, do this. And she's Oh, do, like, it's so much easier just talking <laughs> about it. Not in your own. Yeah. Yeah, you crush it. If you work with a product company, then they are getting an example of somebody using their products. So they're not over here being muralists. You're going to break up their feed and their feed is just, oh yeah, product. But also look at Andrea's art all of a sudden. And so then somebody who's looking at products will go on their Instagram and be like, wait, I'm going to do this because I want to paint my bedroom. And then they'll be like, Who's this artist that they collabed with? I think I would rather have her come paint my mural instead. She seems like she would do a much better job. And they'd easily, your name is right there and be like, art by Andrea, let me go message her. And they'd easily be like, hey, I saw your collab. Can you come paint a mural for me? (laughs) And I feel like that would be a great, because it's the same company, but two different sides. They're not painting and you're not making the products. So they would be like, oh yeah, cool. We don't paint murals. We just support the things that make the murals. And you're like, cool, I don't make the brushes. I just do the things with the brushes. Yeah. Yeah, you would crush it. That'd be so easy for you. I'm literally putting that on my to-do list. That is perfect because then it would attract other artists mainly to listen to the podcast Yeah, all of that. So that is great. Did you ever find the paint tin holder that was like, you, I remember you talking about something where you were like, I just wish I had a, like a cupcake holder that I could put a lid on that the things went on. And I was like, was that the same girl that made the mural? Product. Yep. I was like, I hope she finds that one day yep. because I want that one day. They are currently making it right now. Next They're week. trying. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I know. So one day, hopefully in 2024. Awesome. Okay. I guess so. Usually wrap this up. What, what's a piece of advice that you would give somebody who is just starting out who wants to do what you're doing? Say they want to travel around, they want to have that free spirit, and they want to do just, you seem to really follow what you like to do. And really stay true to yourself. So I guess what's a good piece of advice for all of that? I know it can be very like controversial to be like, you know, the phrase when people are like, exposure doesn't pay the bills. Sometimes I find myself saying that, but then I'm like, wait a second. No, your exposure can pay the bills sometimes Mm -hmm. because like, it's okay to do something for free if you know what value it has for it. Because then sometimes we go back and forth like with our when we do weddings, it's, oh, wait, no, we don't want to do this style shoot because look at all this stuff we're going to have to do for free. But also then we're like, wait, what can that actually book us later? Because that might actually make us more money if we give a little bit of a discount on this in the future. So it's okay to do something for free, but do it with the right heart. Because if you're going to show up somewhere and it's like you're painting out of bitterness and like resentment of being like, oh, I should be paid for this, then it's, that might not turn out the best. But if you show up and you're like, man, there could be some really cool opportunities that will come from this. 
I feel like obviously don't do like a two week long mural and come out of your pocket a lot of money. But if it's a project that you're like, you know what, actually, I live in Atlanta and there's a market here in Atlanta that has a really big wall. And I went to ask them if I can paint a mural on the outside of their wall. And he had said something about sometimes advertisers pay for that. He's but I have a really big wall on the inside of my grocery store market. You can use that for whatever you want. And I was like, okay. And so I went in there and I was like, okay, you know this, I am going to be doing this mural for free, but it is a style that like I've been wanting to paint for a while. And I was like, A, this is portfolio for me. B, this is exposure. This is in a big popping market in the middle of Atlanta. And I know I'm not being paid for it, but more good can come from this. By the end of the day, he calls me and he's, hey, can you send me your prices for painting this? There's like a fence around a garbage can outside. He's, can you send me your prices for painting an exterior mural? I really like what you did inside. And I was like, absolutely. So something that turned into me being like, okay, I'm going to paint this for free because I want this for portfolio ended up being like, hey, I'd like to actually book you for something. And so I think it's okay to do something for free. And I know sometimes the internet is know your value, know your worth, but like your worth can come a lot from being able to showcase your stuff. And also with the other thing, when one of, I was listening to your other podcast with that same cutie girl who was traveling and long story short, I forgot to say after the jungle stuff, there had been like years and just traveling and backpacking all the way from Iceland down to New Zealand. You're so cool. I love it. Ugh. It was fun, but that was another place where I ended up stopping through Workaway. So I started in Iceland and then I would find people just on Workaway who like needed murals and who needed like help with art and who needed help like teaching English. I speak English and they were like, do you speak? And I was like, yeah, I speak English. And they're like, cool, we need you to be a teacher. So little things with volunteering and it helps you with your experience, your exposure, your style. When I travel, it helps me realize that I'm more of like a... I like painting tropical things. I like painting. I know what colors make me happy. I know what is my style. I'm like a very illustration style. You crush it at like nature and landscape. I can't paint that to save my life. And so when I look at you and I was like, man, we are two totally different styles. (laughs) But I've been able to like through traveling and through painting murals around the world, I've learned okay, this is the style that I really love. I am more of like a tropical illustration style. And so being able to travel and find that out has been really nice because being able to paint things for free and paint things with like random materials that like, okay, these are the only colors we have. This is what I'm working with. So that went on a rant to answer your question about something. I I was going somewhere with that, but basically being able to A, just Get yourself out there and travel. Traveling really can be free if you do it. And when you're staying and painting, A, you're getting portfolio, you're getting exposure, and you're getting a place to stay in Costa Rica for free and a place to stay in India. I was painting in India and staying in this beautiful place. And it's the people too, the connections. Because now I know these people from all around the world, if anything ever happened, I would be like, nice, like I can go see my friends. And so like the travel is great, the experience, but it teaches you a lot about when you see all the art from around the world, it makes you realize like there's so many beautiful styles of art and being able to learn how to incorporate that in what makes you so happy when you paint. Because there are some things that I paint and I'm like, I don't really love this. I don't really want to paint this right now. And then there are things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I could be spending 10 hours and I didn't even notice because I just love this style. And so, yeah, 
I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> no, that's your advice to artists who you know, are, are just starting out in the directions mm-hmm. to go. And you have so many different directions. And I love hearing your travel stories. <laughs> it's been a journey. It has, and it's still going too. It is, yeah. So I'm excited to stay following along with you. And I'm so glad we got to connect. I love your energy. And this has been really fun. So thank you for setting aside time today. And I'm going to continue to follow you and watch you do your thing in so many different directions. And I just have a feeling that in two years, you're gonna be like, I decided to take up like alpine skating and or skating. Nice. And I paint while I can I do that. And something random. I love <laughs> I'm going to be like, you I love girl. it. I'll do it just for you. I'll <laughs> learn how to ski just so I can say, Andrea told me to. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, that's all I have. So thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. I've been putting out at least one episode per week for more than four years on this podcast. And it's really cool to see those download numbers go up and up as time goes on. And that's because artists like you listen and share these episodes. So really, when I say thank you, I mean it. (laughs) It's really cool to see progress along the way. And anyway, if you like this type of art and business content, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of my book, Mural Money, with over 15 hours of listening inspiration. I'm currently running a special of just $17 for the audio version. You can go to muralmoney.com to find it. And that comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, recommended book and podcast list, and so much. More. I filled that book with tips from my art journey of building a profitable mural career. Plus, I've included the best of the best advice from guests I've interviewed on this podcast. It's the most affordable all in one book of advice on art and business that I have. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll like the book too because I read it myself all 15 hours of it. (laughs) The book is available on Amazon and Audible normally for $25, but if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the special $17 deal while it lasts. If you haven't listened to my book yet, this is your sign to do it. Again, normally $25, running a special for $17, but you have to go to muralmoney.com. That's where you can grab the audio version of it. And that's all I have for you today. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.